So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Built-in microwave, semicolon. Um, whatever the podcast is about, which is usually how we title these. Well, you'll have read it by the time you're listening to this. You'll have read whatever we put there. So That's um, right. You'll know before we do. You'll know yeah. <laughs> before we do. <laughs> as of now. In, well, anyway, yes, as of this now. is like in... Um, in uh, Spaceballs when they're looking at the video and they're like, this is now, now. Now, now. When they're fast forwarding to get to the part to figure out what happens at the end of the movie so they know what to do. Um, yes. Yeah. So, well, we got a new president. So that's something. That's something exciting. Yeah. A I'm new, very excited about A new about old that. president. The oldest president yes, ever. Right? The oldest new president ever. Um, we did. <laughs> you know what we got for the first time that I was kind of excited about? We got... Um, uh a second gentleman yes yeah so i feel like men are really breaking boundaries now i think we may also have gotten the first doctoral first lady though i'm not as positive about that um which is way more important and interesting uh to be clear like (laughs) (laughs) than being the (laughs) first getting getting our first second gentleman Gentleman. I don't know. I think it's all exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's all very exciting. Um, I was just trying to think of how to, uh, as a man, like, you know, turn it on its head so that it's still about men. <laughs> we also got our first rescue pets in the White House, which I think is super fun. I think that's oh. super awesome. Yeah. Rescues are really I didn't really know great. that bit. What? Tell me more about these rescue. Uh, there are two dogs and a cat. Um. I shoot I was following them on Twitter so I ought to know more about them at this point because apparently they tweet a lot um by the way the oval pawfis p-a-w-f-f-i-c-e is an official uh Twitter at this point amazing oh and boy <laughs> it's hilarious and extremely cheesy Perfect. so the do- the dogs are champ and major and the cat is Winston Oh, I'm already on Team Winston. And I don't know if they're all rescues. I know at least one of the dogs and the cat are, I think. Um, but yeah, it is it is a super fun uh, exception to the, the usual where lots of presidents have had dogs, but they usually have purebred dogs from breeders. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's really um, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that. I think like three pet or the three animals, two dogs and a cat, is kind of a movie in the making, especially since they live in the White House. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, if you'd like to uh, option us for a movie on that, let us know. We'd be happy to write up the script for you real quick. Um, yeah. There. There are some really fun, and I, we'd have to go look through history to figure out exactly what it is that I'm thinking of, but there are some really fun past anecdotes about presidents moving in with pets who are, like, not friendly with strangers or <laughs> not especially well-behaved. Um, mm-hmm. It turns out that you are elected president based not at all on whether or not your pets will uh, make you look good or bad once they've moved into your home. Right. <laughs> 
imagine if you were like the family that occupied the White House with the cat that suddenly decided to start peeing on everything? <laughs> well, there is a... Um, so if you look through the Oval Pothos Twitter, um, <laughs> yes. you get to a moment with um, one of the two dogs as a puppy who was a puppy when Biden was... Um, Oh my goodness, Biden was VP, right? I'm not just completely screwing mm-hmm. that no, up. He no, he was you're VP, right. yeah. Great. <clears throat> Sorry, we've had so many political figures doing so many things that I always kind of second guess myself on those. Um, <laughs> so back when Biden, Biden was VP, they did a whole photo shoot with him and his new puppy, and his puppy absolutely nipped him on the hand pretty hard in the middle of the photo shoot. <laughs> so they have that moment. It's uh, It's posted up here. Is it? Did they get a photo of it happening? Oh yeah, it's him in a really oh nice God. suit with a super cute German Shepherd puppy just chewing on his hand. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. It's adorable. Aw. Here. I I think um, you know, I think biting politicians might satisfy some people. Yes, I'm throwing it into our chat. Uh, listeners will have to look it up, but nice. It's a really cute picture. The Oval Poffice. That's so great. Oh, it's great. great. Uh, I love a pun. <gasps> Puns are great. You'll yeah. like this. You'll like this uh, whole account then. I'm going to definitely subscribe to this on Twitter. <laughs> I've been staying off of Twitter. I've been staying off of all social media. Yeah. So <clears throat> I signed up for Twitter during fire season because there are a bunch of ham radio experts mm. who monitor emergency channels and then tweet out information. And it's actually one of the fastest ways to hear what's actually going on in the fire zones. Yeah. But I have since expanded. So it's now this hilarious compilation of like podcasters that I like and, you know, people I know from work and also a whole bunch of different people monitoring emergency chatter everywhere. <laughs> it's like, watch out for the mudslide. And also, here's the president's dog nipping him on the hand when he was a puppy. And also, here's, you know, Carrie Poppy of Ono, Ross and Carrie discussing what her cat yeah. is up to. <laughs> <laughs> Ross and Carrie are great. They are. Yeah, they're really, I I love that podcast. Um, yeah, it's really entertaining. Um, it's one of my favorites. All right. Well, uh, so, you, so we don't have an official topic then. Wait, Dana, you said you had pet related stories beyond the you White House. Do pet have pet stories. related stories? Oh right. God! Yes. Yeah. You want to know what my super smart new husky rescue dog did on Monday? Yes. Yeah. Let's hear about Monday. Tell us all about it. Uh, so last Monday I had to go to work and my husband was home, but he was in a closed room on a conference call. So as far as the Husky was concerned, he was by himself and that was not okay. Um, we know he has separation anxiety, but we've left the house a couple of times carefully and he's been pretty good. So we weren't too worried about it. So I get to work and I'm all of like 15 minutes away from my house and my neighbor calls and my heart just sinks because my neighbor doesn't call unless something's wrong for the most part. Oh, no. So my neighbor calls and says, I have your puppy. And did you know that your front door is wide open? (laughs) So she has my doodle. She has my my ridiculous, fluffy Bernadoodle who likes to get out but he's not very brave about it so he like leaves the front door and then gets scared because he's not supposed to be out by himself so he just <laughs> ran and found the nearest human being and asked for help um, 
the husky has gone off for a run because that's what huskies do when they get loose and he is sprinting back and forth on a busy street because oh my god that's what huskies do when they get loose um so i call my husband he comes and gets the doodle back from the neighbor the neighbor very kindly runs out to the street as my poor husband is like trying to put on shoes and change out of the, you know, nice, nice top, but casual pants that you wear when you're on a conference call. <laughs> right. <laughs> the neighbor herds the husky back inside. So now we have two of our three dogs back inside. I'm rushing home as fast as I can. I've already told work that my dogs are more important. Um, and the only animal still unaccounted for at this point is uh that's not entirely true my husband forgot to check for the cats before he rushed out to look for the dogs so we don't know if the cats are inside or outside but uh we're also missing a dog we're missing my 17 year old geriatric (laughs) deaf as a post dog with a heart condition who needs medication on a regular basis oh no and just for some background, this dog has not gotten out very often because I'm really, really careful and because I know him and I know what he does. He just starts walking and doesn't stop. He doesn't follow the usual walking path. He doesn't get bored and circle back. He doesn't stay close to home because he's nervous. He has always, from day one, had some destination in mind that he thinks he's going to anytime he gets loose. You drop his leash, you open a door, you do anything, and he just starts walking away from home very purposefully. (laughs) So (laughs) he has gone off on a ramble somewhere. We don't know where. Um... So I live pretty far away from a busy street, but the nearest street, once you go up my driveway, is pretty busy. Um, and he has gone all the way up my driveway, down the street, to one of the neighbors who has a big farm. And he has found... Uh, have you ever made a guard dog uncomfortable but wa- and then watch them try to figure out how far away from their house they're willing to go in order oh. to run you away? Oh my gosh, not personally, but that's super funny. Okay, I have a so do- picture in my head. So dogs have a radius and by the way at some point we should talk about the silly uh, guard dog challenge involving dogs with their paws in baskets because it's hilarious but that's a oh. total diversion from the current story. So good guard dogs have a distance from the thing that they are guarding that they will not go. Right? Cuz it doesn't do you any good to have a guard dog who will chase something 10 miles away from your house. Then your guard dog isn't at home anymore. Right. They're not guarding anything. And, and who knows what else could happen. So good guard dogs know to stay fairly close to home while scaring things away. And it means that you can get them in this really awkward spot where you're far enough away that they don't want to chase you off, but you're too close for them to relax about you. So they just hover on the boundary of their property, getting more and more hysterical. So that's so mean. I am, so I am racing home, muttering, please don't kill my dog, please don't kill my dog to, you know, whatever random people are driving down my street as I'm racing home, as if they can hear me. Um, right. And I noticed that my neighbor's Australian Shepherd is just completely hysterical. And I instantly know (laughs) that it's because my dog is right at that distance. And sure enough, I pull up into the driveway and my dog is probably a good 30 feet away from this dog, just staring at him, just kind of taunting him. He'll take one step forward and then he'll change his mind and he'll take a step back. And this poor Australian 
Italian shepherd is just going absolutely nuts. So I pull up and for all that he has an agenda and has his own plan on where he's going, once you find him, he's really glad to have the help. So I, I pull up and the dog, my dog turns around and sees me and you can just see him go, oh, thank God, I wasn't sure what to do. And he runs straight up to me. I'm in our giant SUV. My dog is 50 pounds. I can lift 50 pounds, but 50 pounds that doesn't want to be lifted is really no fun it's to pick up. Difficult. Yes. <laughs> That's your, then now you're playing the dead weight game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I'm like in the middle of my neighbor's driveway with a completely hysterical Australian shepherd just screaming at us as I try to like bundle my 50 pound dog into the car because he really wants to jump into the car by himself. But the SUV is just too high for my geriatric dog to get into. Um, so I bundle him up in the car. I rush home and I meet up with my husband and I ask where the cats are. And my husband gives me this just panicked look of oh my god she's going to kill me and says i didn't think to check we should probably go see if they're in the house or not because <laughs> we knew the dogs were loose right so mm-hmm. as far as he was concerned that took that took precedence he was probably right it would have been nice for him to check but i i wasn't actually upset with him the cats slept through the entire episode <laughs> they nice. were still in my office i don't think they ever realized that the door had flown open they were like oblivious um, yeah. That's so cute. That's so cat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we're then staring at my front door, trying to figure out, was it a fluke? Is it going to happen again? How easily did he do this? And the answer is, it is stupidly, stupidly easy for this dog to open our front door. Um, oh, no. So Uh-oh. I'm now even more glued to my house than I was because of the pandemic until we've installed a new front door. <laughs> Shucks. Yes. So well, that's a problem. That, was fun. that reminds me yeah. of like the velociraptors that figure out how to work the kitchen door handle in Jurassic Park. <laughs> right. yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> I had so huskies are kind of notorious for being escape artists. Um, and we used to have a. I had a dog training client a long time ago whose husky would let all of the pets out on a regular basis, and the owners were kind of oblivious, and they just didn't like. They just went and got their dogs. They found them around the countryside, and it was fine. This was when I lived in Colorado. Uh huh. Um, but it always just confused me that they would say, "Yeah, he let them all out again." I was like, again? Why? Why do you keep letting this happen? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Um. But now it's me, and now I have a husky who could do it again. So we're. I'm I'm eagerly awaiting the installation of our husky proof door. Mm-hmm. Did you get like a whole new door? Or did you get like a handle? Um, so we're gonna replace everything because our deadbolt is a little bit sticky, and that doesn't matter when you don't have a tenacious husky trying to get out. But I'd rather make sure, like, I'd rather know that the deadbolt is actually bolted when I try to bolt it instead of it being halfway bolted and not actually secure. Right. right. So. Yeah. yeah, we get to replace everything, and also the thing that's in it is like giant and clunky and custom, and I don't actually know if the stuff that we bought is going to work. So it's going to be a little <laughs> bit interesting to try to create a, a husky-proof front door. Um, in the meantime, have you ever seen the child-proof um, like caps that you can put on a stove? Yeah. Yeah, they like spin around unless you can like grab it with a thumb and turn it properly. Right. Yeah. So I stuck one of those over my deadbolt. (laughs) Um, It's not a great solution, but it's better than nothing. Oh, man. That is so funny. 
And now we have to leave the house out through the garage because otherwise we can't be sure that the deadbolt is actually bolted underneath the <laughs> childproof cap. Um, <laughs> That's great. It, it'll sort of work. It'll be okay. It's just, yeah, it made for an exciting day. You're going to walk outside and you're going to find that your chickens have constructed a doomsday device after this. And you're going to be like overwhelmed. <laughs> like at this point, right? it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, although, I, being having been a dog trainer for a while, I now just have stories that are on par with all the crazy stories that our clients have told. Like, we definitely had a dog with separation anxiety who jumped onto the kitchen stove of her house and turned on the gas. Oh, Oh. Um, so the owner came home to a very woozy dog and a house completely full of natural gas, which is super <laughs> exciting. Um, oh my God. I met some lady on a plane and we were talking dog stories and she told me that her Newfoundland not only could open doors, but that when they replaced all of the levers in their house with round doorknobs, thinking that the dog then couldn't turn them, this dog just crushed the round doorknobs into a shape that it could turn. (laughs) So her entire house had, um, they had installed locks at the top of every single door. So like stand on your tiptoes and, right, and turn, the, turn the deadbolt that's like way over your head. Um, that's my that's my last resort. I don't want to have to do it, but yeah. I could. <laughs> How tall is your husky when he stands all the way up? Not as tall as me. Okay. Which is kind of the important part. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You still have to be able to work the door in your own home. Yes, but I think that I can put something that's high enough up that I can reach it and low enough or that's low enough that I can reach it and high enough that the husky can't. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bernadoodle can probably reach about as high as I can, but he doesn't try this sort of ridiculous trick. So <laughs> I'm Yet. less worried about him. What oh, no, this he teaches him. This dog just doesn't like this is a dog who doesn't bother to get off the couch when I come home from work. <laughs> I have to come say hi to him if I want a greeting. Mm-hmm. Um, he does not have an ounce of separation anxiety in him as long as we're at home. He doesn't like being left alone. Like if we're on a trail and we try to go in two different directions, that goes really poorly. But if we're at home, you can leave he's him fine. there and yeah, yeah. He he just hangs out and entertains himself. That's nice. That is. It's funny to me that. Um, like child safety devices have like a whole different life for pets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We have a bunch of stuff in the house that's like not necessarily meant for the dogs, but that is super useful. Mm -hmm. Um, So like our dogs were killing the grass in our yard and there's this reinforcement netting that you can buy. You're supposed to use it to make like a parking spot on your lawns that you could park a car there and it'll, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe crush the grass blades, but it won't pull the, uh, it won't pull the grass out by the roots. Right. So it'll keep your lawn in much better shape. Yeah. Um, And we bought several rolls of that and just covered our entire lawn with it because we were tired of the dogs, like uh, either just running so hard that they left a track of dead grass behind them or (laughs) digging after the gophers and potentially getting out of the yard. Um, oh yes! Oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Yeah, I'm sure you uh, can because you put the stuff. Down. Oh yeah, yep. you already did imagine. I did. In fact, I didn't have to imagine. They got about four inches of clearance below the uh, fence, going after a gopher, and I thought that's going to turn into a dog-sized hole in not a whole lot of time. Right. Mm-hmm. 
The other really fun repurposing of human stuff um, is if you have a dog who uh, isn't careful about how they chew on like a bully stick or I don't like rawhides, but a rawhide or whatever. Yeah. um, A lot of dogs will chew them down until they're like two or three inches long and then they'll just swallow the last piece whole, which is terrible because they can... They can choke or get impacted or have all sorts of problems. Um, and there are fancy like dog intended products that you can use to stop this. But the easiest thing to do is to grab a set of vice grips out of your toolkit oh, and, just, and just attach them to the end of the of the bully stick. Because hilarious. at that point, they can't swallow the last little bit. Right. That's so great. Yeah. yeah it's brilliant. And most dogs won't gnaw on pieces of metal. Most, I say. Most. Um, <laughs> Some most will. will. I've, yeah, I've known a few. <laughs> yeah, I have too. Um, but yeah, there's there are all sorts of things that like aren't marketed as dog products that are super useful. Mm-hmm. If you have think, young and ridiculous dogs, which I do, I think your husky would steal the vice grips and use it to break out of the house. I wouldn't put it past him. And then we could also discuss the fact that my cats somehow got into a cupboard in my kitchen and ate a stick of butter, and I still don't understand how they did it. That is marvelous. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. My cat just gouged my leg with his giant claws because I didn't get up to feed him when he wanted to be fed, which was right when I was like, hey, I'm going upstairs now. (laughs) He's biting me. Your cat's interesting, though. He's deaf. He's deaf, and he's also, I think, not completely, like, cat-brained. I don't know how (laughs) to describe it. Like, it, I don't know if it's a combination of, like, developmental disabilities or just the fact that he was, like, given up too soon as a kitten or, like, I don't know what, but he doesn't really cat very well. (laughs) He doesn't cat very well. (laughs) He doesn't, but he pets really well right like he is a really good companion animal for you even if he's kind of an odd cat he's all right uh the thing we have an abusive relationship really um (laughs) he's very sweet to other people and everybody thinks he's like a super lovey love muffin um and like a cuddly meatloaf which he is with everybody else but to me, he's like, loaf, sorry. yeah, but he's like, he, if I don't give him what he wants exactly when he wants it, he sneaks up behind me and then he s- slashes me behind the knees with his claws. Oh, ow. Yeah. And he like, he doesn't do this to anybody else. If he did it to, to Ice Picket, he would just probably shoot the cat. And I think the <laughs> cat like inherently knows this. <laughs> like it's part of their dynamic. But with me... He knows that I'm not going to do anything. And so he just, like, my legs are cut up all the time. Ow. Yeah, the only, I know, the only, um, the only strategy that I have to employ against this is keeping the floors hard surface. So I have area rugs, but I don't have, like, large area rugs. I just have like the largest rugs I have are like little small runners or like two foot by three foot rugs in strategic places around the house. But like uh, he's deaf and he always has been. So he doesn't know that when he walks, his nails click. And so (laughs) his nails are like super loud and terrifying because it's uh, like the rat. We're back to the raptors in the kitchen at Jurassic Park again. Yeah. 
So I can sometimes hear him coming up behind me. <laughs> and so it's like, it's like that Jaws theme song where it's like, and you hear like a click clack and you're like, where is it coming from? You know? And then it's like, click, 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 slash. And so uh, I've now grown to have like a, f- a, like a fear response to the sound of his nails clicking because it's so often accompanied by a like swipe a, at the a, a scene of gore and Aww. maiming um but everybody else loves him so i keep feeding him and i give him his shots twice a day and um yeah that might be why he slashes you and not anyone else you do stab him with a needle several times a day and it's hard to explain to him that you're doing it for his own good that's true. Although the needle is much more recent than the slashing. <laughs> oh, fair. Never mind then. Slashing has been going on for a decade. And the needle has been going on for less than six months. It was a preemptive well, attack on his it. part. Yeah. Yes. So, so the, yeah. Go ahead. The, the husky sneaks up if he wants to play. Uh-huh. And he sneaks up and bites you in the butt. Oh, oh. no. Uh, I'm sympathetic is, to this simultaneously really obnoxious and really endearing Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's not super painful like he's not he's not as gentle about it as i wish he was but he's not gonna like draw blood or cause a bruise or anything Mm -hmm. but you simultaneously want to kill him and want to like cover him in kisses because he's just so excited and he just can't wait to play with you and yet he just bit you in the butt and you're kind of cranky about it yeah yeah it's oh my god they i feel like they know exactly where the line is between yes. like urgency and pissing you off like too much yeah 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 uh i i couldn't think of a eloquent eloquent way to say that like they tow that line though between like I need to make this painful enough that you do what I want. And also, if it's too painful, you're just going to kick me. Right. Yeah. He's They're drawn blood many times, but I've never been like, not even as a, like, because, you know, sometimes you have like an instinctive response. Most of the time he pings me and it's like, it's just painful enough for me to like very quickly pull away from it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I don't know what I do. If it was really painful, I'd probably just like flail, in which case he'd be likely to get, you know, a foot in the face or whatever. So uh-huh. I think he's worked out a really effective strategy because at this point I have never retaliated <laughs> on purpose or on accident. I definitely kicked one of my childhood kittens across the room totally oh. accidentally. I felt terrible, but he yeah. just jumped out of nowhere and pounced on my foot. And my mm-hmm. my reflex was to fling my foot in the air. Right. <laughs> the cat just went sailing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, there's something to this. I think I think my diabolical cat knows exactly where he stands. Yeah, it sounds like it. Which just uh, I had to reinforces what? my idea that cats are assholes. Oh my god, they totally are. They they're adorable. Are so but they're so, so privileged. <laughs> Ned, you're allergic, right? Yep. So yeah. I'm assuming that means that every cat you ever meet wants to sit on your lap yes. and run its tail across your nose and yeah, get I in was, your face. I was over at um a friend of mine at uh her parents' house and I was visiting her and um so she lives there and her parents live there and she has two cats that live downstairs with her and then her parents have one cat and none of the cats normally come into the living area like on the ground floor where i was visiting 
And um, as soon as I showed up, they all showed up and started like prowling around me like the whole time I was there, <laughs> which happens most of the time, which is hilarious. And they all think it's funny because they're like, they can never, they want the cats to come up and visit, yeah. but they can never get them to come up and visit. But then if I'm there, they just like come prowling around. Um, awesome. Yeah. I had a kit cat when I was a kid. Um, she was a great cat and she, I didn't know I was allergic until after I left home and then realized that life wasn't about being itchy, ready, red eyes and runny <laughs> nose and like having a hard time breathing. Like I was just like a snotty nose little kid till I left home. And then I was like, Oh wow, I don't have to have this in my life all the time. Um, so See, I wasn't allergic as a kid. Yeah. And then I left for college and I spent the better part of a school year in the dorms. And then I came home for a visit and I couldn't, handle having my cats around anymore wow. i apparently developed an allergy through lack of exposure hmm. that's Crazy. interesting yeah and with my cats i'm always a little bit sniffly and it's definitely because i don't avoid the things that i'm allergic to um but with my cats if i'm out of town for a week i'm really allergic to them when i get back and Whoa. it takes me a week or two, and then I develop enough of a like resistance to them that I'm okay again. That's amazing. It's weird. I'm not the only one. Like I definitely have friends and family who have similar reactions, um, but it's a really weird one where like I can acquire and then uh, tone down the allergy depending mm -hmm. on how exposed I am. I don't know. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's, that's kind of lucky because then you can have a really, like, I, I like cats. I just, it's very difficult for me to like have relationship with cats now. Yeah. Um, yeah. My, my allergies get worse every year and at some point I'm going to have to just do allergy shots or some other treatment because I refuse to, like, I'm allergic to cats and I'm allergic to horses and you're like, I'm can't, these are the I, only things left that I <laughs> even want to think about <laughs> yeah i spend too much time around both i'm not usually allergic to dogs but man the husky is a is an exception he sheds so much all over the place that i don't think that you can have allergies to anything and not to be allergic to this dog mm -hmm. oh boy i don't think i've ever had animal allergies i have well i don't know like i'm allergic to tetanus vaccines but we don't know which one huh hmm. And one of them is made from like horse serum. And so it might be that one, in which case in a roundabout way, I guess I would be allergic to horse serum. Well, anyway. Uh, I don't think you run a huge risk of being exposed to horse serum when you go to a barn. Yeah. Right. You would, you would think not. You would hope not. Something would have right. had to go very wrong. <laughs> Why? Who left this horse serum here? <laughs> um... I was going to tell, oh, I was going to tell you both that I hit the jackpot in terms of shoes. <gasps> Amazing. Yes, I won the shoe lottery. Um, yesterday, it was like a really nice day out, and we were like, oh, we should go snowshoeing, but I don't have any boots because I had this pair of North Face boots for 16 years that were amazing, and then they finally fell apart when they were put to the stress test at Franconia Sculpture Park, and I walked right through them like they just oh, no. disintegrated and so i was like uh oh i need new boots but new boots are really freaking expensive 
and also they're mostly uncomfortable. And so I was like, well, I kind of like half-heartedly researched different boots that I might want to buy online and was like guessing at sizing and stuff. And then it was so nice yesterday and I still didn't have any boots that we were like, let's just go buy some boots. So we went to REI and they have the garage sale section. Oh my God, my cat. Can you hear him? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's him screaming downstairs because he's like, I need to be fed and I'm deaf. <laughs> um, and if you don't answer me, I'm going to come up here and under the desk that your computer's on where you can't see me, I'm going to slash your legs to get your attention. Watch. It's going to happen any second. So anyway, we went to the garage sale section of REI, which is where people have returned an item for this reason or that reason. And you can buy those items used, right? And yeah. so I I was going to get a pair of fucking $190 boots and I was like, God damn it. And I was like really regretting it already. I had buyer's remorse in advance. And uh, I tried those boots on and they were really nice, but they're made with leather. And when the tongue folds in on itself, it creates kind of like a W shape. And on either end of the W is this like pressure point because you've got several layers of leather doubled up on itself in order to fit inside of this, the laced portion of the boot. And so I was like, I can tell already that my shins are going to get bruised from these things just walking around in them, especially for doing shit like cross-country skiing. Oh, there I go. There he is. There's my cat. Oh, oh, he's like a ghost. He just creeps up. Oh, he's also albino. That's why he's deaf. So he's just like this white ghostly cat that appears out of nowhere. And if you see his eyes in the dark, they are red, not yellow like a cat. They are red because he's albino. So he looks like a crazy monster, like staring back at you out of the depth of a closet or something. Demon cat. Oh, everybody else thinks he's so cute. And he's I tell you, he is terrifying he's a monster <laughs> anyway um so yeah i was like before we spend 190 dollars on these boots that i'm already finding reasons to hate and not wear in the winter time maybe uh we should look at this garage sale section and so we went over and they had not only a bunch of pairs of boots but also they had a pair of shoes a bunch of pairs of shoes and so i tried on some boots and there's this nice tall pair that are made out of like faux fur and a they go basically almost knee high. They're pretty tall and um, they're really flexible. So when you bend your ankle, it's not compressing tons and tons and tons of like stiff leather. It's fabric. And so it's like less weight, not painful. It's not painful at all. It's super comfy and they're pretty warm and they're waterproof on the soles. So we got those and they were originally like $180 themselves. And I think I got them for 40 for I have somebody just didn't nice. buy them after they bought them, and then and because they're in perfect condition, and then um, I got a pair of tennis shoes, running shoes specifically, running shoes that are like one hundred and forty dollars, brand new. And the person who returned these did so after three months of owning them because there's this tiny, what it looks like to me, tiny little hole on the like top of the foot above the toes on the right <laughs> foot that looks to me like a cigarette burn hole. Oh. And not perhaps a hole that just popped up. But, you know, huh. if you're like a silly person who is a liar about the fact that they're a smoker. Yeah. And spends $140 on a brand new pair of shoes only to return them three months later, then whatever. Uh, your loss. <laughs> I got your shoes for $20. That's awesome. Yeah. So I spent um, very $60 on boots and shoes that would have cost me almost 400 in total, which is pretty freaking great. Nice. 
Super excited about that. Got to share a good deal, right? Sure. Awesome. So I've developed a new scale for how much I like a pair of boots. Mm. It it was inspired by a recent purchase, which I sadly did not get for the same deal that you did. Ah, Um, (laughs) well, this is like a once in a couple of decade deal, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the women who I ride horses with and I both bought the same boots over Christmas. And we were discussing how much we liked them. And then we realized that we'd both done the same thing. So these are boots that are designed to be worn over riding breeches, which fit really tight around your legs. Yes. Um, and she and I both usually wear like boot cut or straight cut blue jeans if we're not in riding clothes. But we both like our new boots so much that we both went out and bought skinny jeans so that we can wear <laughs> our new boots when we're not at the barn. <laughs> That's so awesome. So my new rating scale for how much do you like these shoes is, did you have to buy new clothing to go with the new shoes? Yes. Have you had to alter your (laughs) wardrobe to accommodate the new item? (laughs) That's so perfect. So in a timely moment to our previous conversation, uh, the White House just posted a video of... um, Biden signing an executive order lifting a ban on transgender people serving in the military, which is awesome. But also in the video, you can hear Champ and Major barking in the background. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, so they uh, tagged it Build Bark Better. Ah, oh, nice. And also I'm watching the uh, likes on Twitter and they're getting a thousand likes in seconds. Yeah. So they're at 4.3 and a couple of seconds ago they were at 4.2 now it's 4.4 whoa it's really kind of impressive how rapidly this is happening um <laughs> i don't think that i've 4.5 i don't think that i've ever stopped to look at this sort of phenomenon before we live in weird times we do 4.6 speaking of um I I was very glad to hear that he signed that, um, but I've yes. noticed he hasn't signed the Mexico City policy yet. What's this about? Tell me about this. So every Democratic... So the first of all, the Mexico City policy is basically oftentimes referred to as the global gag rule, which is to say that um, uh, okay. any federal funding or any non-governmental agency cannot receive any federal funding if they do anything to talk about abortion, basically. Right. Um, as yep. a, you know as a basically a means for part of women's health. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so every Republican president has always first thing signed it into law and every, uh, democratic president has always rescinded it day one. And, um, Biden said, they said, uh, I think, um, Fauci announced that they were going to rescind it, but he hasn't signed it yet. And it's not even close to day one anymore. Usually they sign it day one. It's like one of the very first things that gets signed as a democratic president. Um, In fairness, most democratic presidents have fewer fuck ups to reverse than our current president. Yeah, but there's not, I mean, I don't, I don't find that like, this is a very deliberate thing because they made an announcement of it and they haven't. And, and they've, And I know that Biden is a Catholic and that's something they keep bringing up about his issues on like they don't talk about abortion. They're just like every time there's a question, they're like, well, Biden's a very devout Catholic and, you know, and that's it. Um, Yep. 
So he has that's very said that he people. will reverse it. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but like, it's a no-brainer because it's a at this point, it's a matter of party line policy. Like, it doesn't matter what your fucking personal views are on it. If you're Democrat, you undo it. If you're Republican, you reinstate it. It goes back and forth. It's a it's a political volleyball. It's never going to stop. Like putting the brakes on is unusual yeah, on it's, either side. I'm just curious what... Um, I have no doubt that he will sign it. Um, I'm just curious why why it's taken so long. Um, Joe yeah. Biden, you be a good fucking Catholic, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. I am sad that the Pope is resigning. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, he said he was only going to do it for a while like it was never his goal to like stick it out till he died or anything so i think at the end of this year which is his final year he's like i'm out pick somebody else interesting Mm -hmm. yeah he was like the cool pope yes he really was um by the way ned biden's office has announced that he will uh he is scheduled to repeal the global gag rule on January 28th, which doesn't answer your question about why it's waiting, but it, right. it does look like he, it look, it does look like he's doing it imminently. Not like he's putting uh, no, it no, off no, and no. hoping I, that no one will ask. Yeah. And I never thought that I just, I'm just really interested what, yeah. like what's going on there. Um, and mm-hmm. why he was, I mean, like, I'm wondering, is it a political thing where he's like, thinking like, that's going to signal more moderate, you know, maybe try to bring people back into the fold. I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. Cause there doesn't have to be any discussion around it at this point. No, no. Like, I mean, there hasn't no been because oftentimes it's, um, I'm actually, I'm surprised there aren't more people like up in arms about it because it's typically a huge, like it's a women's health yeah. issue. Like it's a big, well, right. big part and, of the, yeah, and he's actually like, ugh, this is so now we're gonna wade into the territory of all this shit I hate about Joe Biden because of the way he treats women. Yeah. And like how he hides behind fucking aviator glasses and like an expensive dental job smile to like cover up the fact that he's just as handsy as the last fucking president, except he gets away with it because he knows exactly how he can do that. I'm and willing like, to bet he is less handsy than Trump. Mm. Just just he's putting real that kissy out there. too. Um which is not to say not a problem or that we shouldn't have concerns about it, but like I'm not clear that anyone is that high in office and as handsy as Trump uh, outside of Trump. I will grant you this. I bet there is less pee involved with Joe Biden. <laughs> I don't want to think about it with any of these people. That's fair. Okay. Um, but so other- it. So, like, at this point, I guess, like, my, my, what I'm thinking here is, like, okay, if you don't have to, like, if you're obviously aware of what it is, like, it's not taking this long because you're deliberating over the meaning of what it is you're signing. Right. It's something that every other Democratic president has signed on day one. So, in order to sign it, at this point, without deliberation and without a lot of debate and without a lot of stuff, it, what we're really talking here is about the length of time it would take you to sign your signature Joe Biden on the thing. So how long does that take? Like maybe six seconds if we're being super generous and including the time it takes you to like twist the cross pen before you put it to the paper. So how many fucking times could you have done that since day one? So I'm going to just ask a different question and mm-hmm. it it doesn't. I don't mean to sound like a Biden apologist here. I, I don't necessarily mean <laughs> it that Biden way. Biden apologist. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll apologize. I'm sorry for Biden. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, um, Biden evangelist. I don't know. Who yeah. am I? What am I? No, no, no. You're um, fine. <laughs> so Biden has at this point 
signed several different things that definitely pissed the Catholics off. Oh, yeah. Yep. Into law or into executive orders or in other ways that benefit minorities who are both smaller and more underrepresented than women. Mm -hmm. And I actually wonder if he isn't making the argument that while women's health is critical and he will get to it, there are other groups who needed help faster and he prioritized them by a couple of days. Because the stuff that he's done for LGBT and DACA and several other groups who also desperately needed the support and the help, he has done without any sort of hesitation. Um, and honestly, if he did it for different reasons, he should still spit it the way that I just described. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because it's true that you can only sign things in some particular order, right? Like something was always going to come before the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if he's going right. to make the argument that he went for the people who got help even less regularly, right? Where it wasn't even just a light switch that flipped on and off with, yeah. uh, you know, the affiliation of each president. I think that there are people who would buy that argument, whether or not that is truly the answer. And I would support that answer if it was the answer. I will burn that answer down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think that's kind of why I'm asking the question is I'm curious to know um, what their, what their thinking is on that. I mean, a lot of the, I, I, I often think that when it comes to spin and like, you know, especially when it comes to like, you know, why did you do something? I mean, it could literally just be something like, I, I think this one, it's a little hard to say like, oh, it just kind of got lower priority when, um, you know, every signature is a political move. Right. So it's yeah. not it, it. I don't I do. I do think that um, it's great that he pushed hard on the things that he did. Um and it also seems like maybe partly what he's doing is giving everything a chance to um, I can imagine if you don't sign too many things, it allows people to digest every day the things that were signed in a politi- like in a new cycle. So yeah. if you throw something, if you throw everything in together, it's like, oh, it's just too many things as opposed to yeah. being like, OK, well, today they wrote about this one. Tomorrow they're going to write about that one. I mean, for one thing, like doing the um, allowing the transgender signature like on its own day in some ways, like it's going to ride the news cycle, right? Which is fantastic. Whereas it might've on the first day been a lesser, lesser issue. Um, So I don't know, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of like strategy that goes on here that (laughs) I am by no means an expert. I am just curious what the, you know, what the thinking was. And um, yeah. Yeah. I also, and I would be absolutely shocked if, personal preference or personal philosophy was the deciding factor I, on the order in which he signs things. I, I agree I, with you. Like, I don't think that I, he's a, he's a seasoned politician. Whatever he's doing is something that he thinks with a team of people think is the right political move. I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I would also say, while I don't think that this is why he delayed it, yeah, there are a lot of moderate Catholics out there who are super uncomfortable with the idea of abortion, but still when push comes to shove, decide that it's better than unadopted infants and mothers and children in trouble. Right. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I think they've all long since made their decisions. I don't think that anyone's reconsidering it just because Biden is president. But I, I also think that going with the things that people don't feel quite so 
ambiguous or conflicted about um, might make sense to start out with. And like, yes, there are people who are anti-transgender. And yes, there are people who are Mm anti-mask. But people fall really hard on one or the other side on a lot of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there are there are few I would guess that there are few issues that are as uncomfortable as abortion where there are lots of people who if they really have to choose are pro but really wish it didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean which is neither here nor there. No, I mean it's to- it's it's part of the problem in the arguments, right? A lot of times um, the opposition doesn't realize that a lot of what they're doing drives drives up abortion because you're cutting off access to things that would prevent pregnancy in the first place. Well, um, we have to preface that with they refuse to look at the science that shows yes, that that's yeah. what happens when they make these decisions because it's extremely well documented and the fact that they won't. <laughs> yeah, do no, we swear on this podcast? Can I say? Fuck pull yes. Them? Oh we yeah. Fuck, fuck yeah, we do. In fact, we swear so fucking much on this podcast that I just blanket um, marked all of them as explicit. Uh, because I was like, I'm not going to decide one was explicit and the other one wasn't. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, then I can say without question that if they would pull their heads out of their asses and look at the statistics, they could stop being uncomfortable about their decisions and just go with the decision that results in fewer abortions. But they won't. And we don't understand why. And I wish we did, because then we could maybe make some fucking progress. <laughs> As a good There's- friend of mine is fond of saying, it's about punishing sluts. It's about punishing sluts. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, well, because they're not interested. Like a lot of people, they're not interested in solving the problem of like pregnancy and, um, you know, better women's health. They're interested in punishing sluts with babies. Like that's their thing. Like, nope, you have to have that baby now. But right. that's often not how it turns out, right? Like I still come back oh, to if they looked at the data, 100%, they would realize yes. that they weren't doing what they I'm meant to saying. do. <laughs> And you're, you are also right, right? This is not yeah. me disagreeing with you. We can all take for granted that they won't look at the data and therefore they won't make the decision that makes sense. And therefore they are doing it to punish sluts, even though it doesn't in fact punish sluts nearly right. as much as it fucks up other things. Yeah. What's really awesome about Catholics is that um, you can't get an abortion if you're Catholic, but you also can't use birth control. And so there's this whole shadow land of women who get pregnant, but don't let their Catholic husbands know that they've become pregnant and they just have an abortion because sex has to be procreative. And so like, there's a ton of Catholics who get abortions on the down low. And do we think their husbands truly don't know what they're doing? Or do we think that their husbands know exactly what they're doing and just aren't speaking up? I think it's probably cases in both camps. I mean, yeah. I, sure. I yeah. met lots of people when I did field work that had their, like they would be more than happy to tell you their story about how they accessed or didn't have the opportunity to access abortion when you like show up randomly and start talking to them about it as an issue. <laughs> and so um, I met lots of people who said that, um, the decision that they arrived at on the like sixth or seventh pregnancy of their marriage was like a mutual decision that their family and especially whoever mom was not need to go through this a gazillion more times, like enough's enough. Yeah. Um, and so I, there were lots of stories where the, the, it was 
a conclusion that they arrived at like mutually but then there were also plenty of stories about like the opposite which is like those those dumbasses don't even know what a pussy looks like much less whether one is pregnant or not so like yeah you you barely engage with the subject when you're like having sex and so if you're that clueless it's you're probably not a great candidate to raise a ninth child with like we'll figure a way out of that situation fair enough help it also makes me wonder how many Catholic mothers lean on doctors and surgeons to decide that for some medical reason or another, this has mm-hmm. to be their last pregnancy and they need a hysterectomy along with a C-section. Yeah. like that seems I, like it would be a pretty handy way out of like, oh, this has to be my last baby. I don't have any yep. other choice. Otherwise, I could die. Yeah. Like there were oftentimes – so I sought out – sterilization a long time ago like way like as soon as I started getting a period I was like forget this I'm out like (laughs) I don't ever want to get pregnant now that it's a thing I have to worry about and like nobody would do it because they were like no you're gonna change your mind being a mom is the best thing ever and you can't be a whole person until you give up your entire existence to somebody else and so I was like I just looked high and low and I've been on pills ever since because like that was just the easiest thing and they work out really good for me so that's fine but um like I was told time and time again the only way they would ever be willing to render me permanently incapable of having children is if I already had some and and how oftentimes on your final child if you've had if you've had more than one kid and you tell the doctor that's it I don't want anymore they will just sterilize you on the way out of the, the most recent kid um, but if you don't choose that at the end of a pregnancy, subsequently getting sterilized is even a hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, uh, and all of the methods of sterilization are like super harmful anyway. So it's like medically harmful to women. So it's like, I the pill thing fully works out for me. It's fine. But like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> um, I d- definitely cried and cried and cried when I got told that I was old enough and sufficiently prone to migraines that I had to stop taking the pill that had been working for me because old enough and prone to migraines means at higher risk for blood clots, which means no estrogen based birth control. Right. Um, And yeah, I was not, not happy about that. (laughs) I did not want to switch. That's why I quit smoking. I was like, if you're, if it's a decision between cigarettes and fucking birth control pills, it's the pills the whole way. Oh, that's awesome. I've never thought of that as a motivation for stopping, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. It is a damn good reason to quit. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck that. And I, I cheated a little bit because when I had my MRIs and stuff, they were looking for all kinds of like, do you, are you having issues with aneurysms or strokes or like all kinds of stuff? And I was deemed like mysteriously perfectly healthy in all of the ways that you'd normally worry about. And I was like, somebody get me a fucking cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if I'm going to die of some, like, weird brain tumor or something that we haven't identified yet, I want my cigarettes. Totally. (laughs) Because they're not going to kill me in the immediate future. Speaking of which, uh, my nerve pain has gotten so much better that I reassessed all of the stuff that I was taking for, like, nerve pain support therapy. And I've stopped taking NAC because now I'm thinking that the benefits that I'm going to get from taking that are outweighed by the risks of developing lung cancer from using hmm. too much NAC. And so I've like crossed a threshold. So that's another, like Ned and I talk about this, like, oh, what's in your weird apothecary? And so the NAC has been phased out. Bye-bye. Cool. That's exciting. 
There it goes. That and the ALCAR has been phased out too. I don't need the amino acids anymore. So um, I've got them on standby, but I'm going, I'm getting rid of them from my lineup of things that I take so that uh, we'll see what the, what it does, if it helps or if it doesn't do anything at all. That's ideal. <laughs> my, nice. my head doesn't like start hurting really bad. We just got more complicated around here, but it's not my weird apothecary. It's the pet's weird apothecary. So Husky has pretty severe hip dysplasia and gets um, fish oil and glucosamine chondroitin. And then mm-hmm. obviously ancient dog who just walks off and won't stop uh, is on a amazing <laughs> cocktail of stuff. <laughs> Apparently um, so. But you said it was really effective all of a sudden or like you added something that was very effective. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. They put him on gabapentin, which oh, uh, right. the withdrawal effects are terrifying. And so it's not really a great idea unless you can just like be on it forever until you die. Um, but he can oh. be on it forever until he dies. So it's great. That's fantastic. Uh, that's fabulous. He runs now and his tail wags super fast and he uh. like goes up and down the stairs for fun. I've, I, it's like he's, you know, magically three years younger than he was before we started him on it. It's been super exciting. He actually, this is the dumbest thing ever to celebrate, but he actually got into a very small dog fight. Be- <laughs> Because he was so excited about one of our pet sitter's dogs that he would not stop chasing the dog. And the dog finally turned around and told him off and he wouldn't back down. And there was a minor scuffle. No one got hurt and it was fine. But my 17 year old dog felt good enough to chase a dog across the yard and then not back down when told off, which is insane. That is insane. That's awesome. Yeah, I am super excited. (laughs) That's amazing. I... I uh, thought about trying gabapentin for my like weird nerve shit, and then I never did. I don't remember why. You know, the if you actually read the label, it's not supposed to be all that bad to go off of. Like you're supposed to taper down pretty carefully, but if you taper mm-hmm. down carefully, it's supposed to be fine. I don't mean to undermine drugs, and you should take them if your doctor recommends, but the three people who I know who have been on it, who have gone mm-hmm. off of it, all reported having issues going off of it, even though they were all really careful going off of it. So really? like either kind? I know either I know three really weird people or those sorts of withdrawal effects are more common than the label well, would lead you to believe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, um, mostly anxiety and sleep disruption. I know oh. some of the people, you know, so I definitely know, you know, at least three weird people. I just don't know if it's yes. those three weird people. It's not. Likewise. It is none of those three people. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, this is a fun game. I know one person that all three of us know directly who uh, has gabapentin, but doesn't use it in any kind of regulated way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, considering the group of people we know, I suspect there may be more than at least one person. Ca- cast in a wide net here, Meg. Yeah. Um, that's all right. There's plausible deniability in that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, wow, you've given me like zero hints as to who that zero could be. Hints. I can just think of like, yeah, anyway, yeah. doesn't matter. Um, um, yeah. So yeah. I was, I don't know. I'm excited because I, I don't, I don't uh, love being a person who takes a bunch of weird pills. I'm glad not to have to take those amino acids or I don't feel like I have to take them anymore that the, the benefits of taking them is like quickly being matched by the like potential long-term risk of lung cancer from using NAC for too long. I was yeah. like, Oh, that's right. That's a problem. Maybe I don't do that. This now. 
Yeah. I mean, it's really widely, widely, widely used. And so I think if it was like a super prevalent problem, uh, we'd probably be hearing more about it. But regardless, regardless, I don't need it right now. Um, I am taking liposome of vitamin C every day. Yeah. And vitamin D because the like angle of the sun is depressingly low up here right now. I take almost nothing on a regular basis, but there are several things that like every couple of months, my joints will get sore and I'll take some more fish oil or I'll start feeling really tired and I'll add some branched chain amino acids or like there are definitely things that I know I can run low on or do better Mm -hmm. on, but I tend to go off of them when I'm feeling okay and then add them back in when I'm not instead of just staying on them all the time. That's a great way to do it. That's also... That's why what made me nervous about the NAC is that I've been taking it in a maintenance dose for some time because I noticed it pretty quickly. Like I'm already last night I stopped I stopped taking it a couple of days ago. And last night I had a a recurring dream that I have when I have a lot of nerve pain in my teeth where I'm like chewing on something that gets stuck in my teeth and I can't I'm pulling like taffy or something like pulling out chunks of it, but I can't get it all out. And it happens when I have like nerve pain. Because my nerve pain feels like someone pulling on my teeth. So in my dream, I have like elements of the dream that would explain why I'm experiencing this sensation. And it's contextualized in the dream with something weird and absurd, like pulling large chunks of bubble gum or candy out of your teeth. Um, And that's been happening. So I'm not like what I'm worried about is that I'm going to stop taking the aminos and then my nerve pain is going to get worse as opposed to steadily and very almost imperceptibly getting better every day. And then I'm going to be like, oh, what am I going to do now? Couldn't you just go back on it? I mean, that seems like the kind of thing where you could just yes. try the experiment. But I don't want to get lung cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. That's... But it, and it, like the way that you just described it, and obviously we're three really kind of data-driven, science-driven nerds on a podcast but like the way that you just described it if you're in enough pain the risk of lung cancer starts to feel like not the highest priority issue right if you end up in enough pain again it might be worth doing it also at that point you've taken a break from it which might decrease your odds like i don't know enough about it to know the statistics there but it does seem like that might be the sort of thing where you add it in when you're in pain and then take it out when you're not yeah it's the reason that it increases the incidence of lung cancer specifically is because it delays um, cell senescence. And so cells that may develop precancer um, dysplasia or like cancerous lesions can will like hang around longer than apoptosis would normally happen. And so you have a, li- a higher likelihood on high doses of NAC of creating a conditions in which your lung cells stick around longer than they normally would and mm-hmm. can become cancerous for that reason and then proliferate whereas they may not have if you weren't on NAC because the time between cell like senescence and then eventual apoptosis is like much shorter and so mm-hmm. they don't have time to develop the cancer so it's like the this all they uh, there's like all kinds of benefits to NAC too, so you gotta like really balance it out. And I think it's like you know if you're like of limited exposure, it's, obviously that's gonna make your chances less than if you're taking it all of the time and worried about those sorts of things. But I whatever. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't matter because I don't have like 
crippling nerve pain after this little experiment, this little side I, excursion. I will cross my fingers that you don't have right. crippling nerve pain. That's always a good thing to hope to not have. Yeah. So I really wish that I had a good way <clears throat> to video what is going on out my window right now. Yeah. My uh, living room looks out. I'm basically on the second story of my house. Mm-hmm. And so when the birds of prey circle my neighbor's pasture, they come right by my window. Oh, cool. At pretty much eye level. Yeah. Oh, man. And I don't know what has them excited, but there are probably like six or seven large birds of prey just circling around right next to my house. And so they keep swooping in at eye level across my deck and then heading off to the neighbor's yard. And it is super fun to watch. That is so cool. Sorry, I like yawned right when you were telling <laughs> that story. And I was like, no, 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 yawn. <laughs> like, say yay. It's That's one so of those, cool. It's one of those moments where you, you don't think about how big those birds are until you're close to them. And then they come yes. by nearby and you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, you're Whoa. gigantic. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. We should title you know this what podcast What's Happening are? Outside Dana's Window. <laughs> nice. I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. I'm going to change it. I don't and know. Then, we started with what's happening outside Dana's open front door yes. because her husky is ridiculous. Should it just be what's happening outside Dana's house? <laughs> don't forget the drive-by abortion discussion. Speaking oh, of... Yes. Um, uh, that is not happening at Dana's house, just for the record. Yeah. Um, the I am. I can't tell you how excited I am to have a White House that is um, saying sane shit. Like... It's like, I don't care if you agree with it or disagree with it. They're not standing up there just making shit up. They're saying like watching Dr. Fauci give a talk (laughs) and he can't help himself but smile a little bit about how he doesn't have to say shit he doesn't know or things that go in the face of all of the science. The Mm -hmm. smile on his face in the last couple of uh, press conferences has just been the most like amazing thing yes. ever. If if I'm having a bad day, I could just pull those up, and his smile is totally infectious. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. And then on the other side, uh, Ned, are are yeah. we revealing too much if we say that you and I live in California? No, no. I think I talk about being in San Diego all the time. Actually, cool. Yeah. yeah. So I, on the I, other I was, s- me too. Sorry. No, I'm me too. I everybody knows where I live. <laughs> yeah. So on the other side, we have uh, Newsom. Who, oh, God, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, he can string a sentence together, but he yes. cannot answer a question in a straightforward manner to save his damn life. <laughs> right. Is it because he doesn't know or is he dishonest or both? Or um, some other thing. I, I think it's because he doesn't want to give the reporters who are needling him the satisfaction of a straight answer, but it makes him sound dishonest. Like... Yeah. My instinct is to tell you that I actually think that he's a halfway decent guy and that I actually think that he's making halfway decent decisions. But if you listen to him respond to questions at the end of a press conference, he sounds like a snake because you can ask him anything and he he is like categorically incapable of giving you an actual answer to the question that you asked. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. What a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I, The California policy on COVID has kind of really bothered me because it's been like, so they just rescinded the stay at home order because Mm -hmm. there's something like 23% uh, availability of, of emergency room beds or something. I don't know what the number is. Some, but some number they calculated, they were like, we've calculated a number. That's why we're rescinding the order. Do you want the giant 
the answer from the giant nerd who listened to that press conference. Oh, I didn't. I read. That's what I read. So (laughs) I would be interested what they said. So they've been using this um, model to project how what the ICU capacity will look like within four weeks. And they've given us a lot of information about what goes into that model, but they won't actually share the model, which means that we don't know what any expert thinks of the model. Cause Uh like, it's one thing to say we're looking at positivity rates and ICU beds and hospital beds and incoming staff members and this and that. But like, you don't know how you're weighting all of those factors. Then you don't really know what's in the model. Hmm. So their model shows that four weeks from now, all of the regions will have more than 15%, more than one, five percent ICU capacity. Uh. Um, The other argument that they're making, which is sound is that ICU capacity is a trailing indicator of COVID being a problem because if Mm. you're sick enough to be in the ICU, you're there for a long time. So, like the ICU percentage of available, the percentage of ICU beds available will continue to be low even as things improve because you have to make those patients better before you can let them go. Here's my Um, issue though with it. I have lots of issues, but yes, your issue. (laughs) My issue with it is that regardless of how you arrive at a number and whether, whether it's like, there's no, like, it doesn't matter how empty or full the beds are in my mind. You're still basically saying, hey, I think we have some more room in the hospital. Go ahead and jump off the cliff. No. And actually, this is you one answer that, that. Yeah. So this is one answer that Newsom did a decent job of answering. Although, ironically, to my earlier point, yeah. he answered it when that wasn't the question. <laughs> he answered <laughs> it for someone else's question that he didn't answer. Yeah. Oh, my God. He said really succinctly and in a really nice way, please remember that I'm not flipping the light switch. There are no rock concerts. There's no indoor dining. There are no packed malls. There are no packed movie theaters. We are going back to the purple tier of our previous county by county tiered system in which almost nothing is allowed. So all we're saying is we're no longer in total and utter crisis mode. We're back to our normal COVID playbook in which very few things are allowed and everyone needs to be really careful. And he's not wrong. Um, Or at least he's not wrong about that. He's wrong, I think, about other things. And I still really would like to know what an actual expert has to say about what an expert who is not being paid by the state of California says about the model. Not because I distrust the state of California, but because third party scrutiny of statistical models is important yep um but yeah like his his answer to that question that didn't get asked and therefore probably didn't really need an answer um was really solid and i i liked that response i i mean i don't disagree with that response the problem is that's not the response that's not the message that is conveyed right like the message that's conveyed is like the stay-at-home order is lifted yeah and Absolutely. so who conveyed that? Message? And my, my issue so, isn't with Newsom. My issue is with that. My issue is with, uh, Hey, so you have this thing and now you're like, you're saying, okay, go ahead and like, like rescind some of these orders. And yeah. the problem with it is like your messaging needs to be better. So, and to, to further that, you know why we're not getting better messaging? Well, it's I for can, a bunch of reasons. Yeah. I was going to um, say, they haven't actually updated their website yeah. to indicate the new stuff. So if you go look up your county, it still says that you're under the regional stay-at-home order because they haven't gotten around to updating jack shit. Also, they did not inform the counties that they were going to do this ahead of time. 
So the counties have had no time to decide whether or not they're going to go along with it. Because like the county that I live in could still say, sorry, no, we're not rescinding our stay at home order, which superseded the regional stay at home order. And they didn't have time to respond. So everyone's going to go have, I mean, it's still true that they're going to have a pretty low key, mostly outdoor free for all, but everyone's going to go have a free for all until the counties are the big, big bad guys who come down on us and shut us down again in a couple of days once they've had a chance to respond. To make things even stupider, they did notify restaurant owners, but they <gasps> did not notify the counties. Oh my God. <laughs> So there are a bunch of really cranky government, California government officials who are basically asking why they heard about the dropping of the regional stay at home order on Twitter instead of from Newsom's office. Why has so much of public policy and politics moved onto Twitter? It's not good. Because (laughs) the letter that was sent in, in this particular case, it's because the letter that was sent to restaurant owners was leaked to the press before anyone else heard anything about anything. I would love to know what the strategy was there. I don't know, but I would argue that in this case, Twitter is not the problem. There are some much bigger problems. Fair. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, the other thing, uh, if you are bored enough to want to go watch press conferences, which God knows why you would, but I noticed something and I have a, I have a hypo, I have a hypothesis about it that I wanted to share. Yeah. Yes. What is it? Newsom, and I think that this is new, has l- lost his ability to keep a straight face when he thinks that the person talking to him is saying something stupid. And my theory is it's because he's been stuck behind a mask for <laughs> over a year now. <laughs> oh, 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 good one. That so, might be that might be worth watching. There's a point in the press conference where someone from the press says, so some of your critics are going to say that the dropping of the stay-at-home order coincides with the lawsuits, not with the statistics. What would you say to them? And Newsom visibly rolls his eyes and audibly scoffs. And then answers the question. <laughs> and honestly, I don't think that that response is like completely unwarranted for the level of bullshit that the journalist was giving him. Yeah, yeah. But it is the least politician move that I've ever seen, right? Like if there was ever a time when a politician was supposed to maintain a straight face and take a deep breath and just give like a poker faced answer to a question, it was that. Mm-hmm. And instead right. you can just see him go, it's that's a ridiculous question. Um He also, to my earlier point, says, I would tell you that that's absurd. And then goes on to not give any sort of explanation for why it's absurd. (laughs) I now I want a picture. I want like a a graphic of Gavin Newsom with the word. Now I'm going to tell you that's absurd. (laughs) (laughs) Like if we had a merch store, I would have to put that in the merch store. Yeah. Yes. Or just. Here, this is what I think of you, and have it be yeah. like the mid scoff, mid eye uh-huh. roll. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talk to the hand. Totally. Um, so yeah, the uh, press conference was mostly useless. They they promised to answer more of our questions tomorrow, but not <laughs> yeah. today. Um, and I don't know. I also live in a county that is like uh, fucking up worse than most. Um. So it's been super fun. I have all the weirdness of being in California, plus all the weirdness of being in a really like totally non-functional county. Right. 
Which is super oh unfortunate God. because I've been lobbying to move for a really long time. And my husband keeps telling me that staying here isn't a bad idea because California is handling COVID pretty well. And we're oh. more likely to get the vaccine here sooner. And like, I didn't think he was wrong. It sounded like a valid point when he made it. But holy shit, he's so wrong. He's so wrong. <laughs> it's going so badly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just listening to a story about COVID in L.A. and... Uh, I had it on in the background while I was working on some other stuff, so I don't remember what the source was, but I was like, holy shit. (laughs) California, like America managed to be the worst on the planet at dealing with COVID, and then uh, the worst of the worst is like California is outdoing everybody else at how poorly they're handling it. Yep. Uh, You can definitely find states that are doing a worse job than we are. Oh, really? But... It's that is not said with any sort of pride in my state. That's just said in the slight defense that like at one point during today's press conference, Newsom was like, see, we're only the 26th worst state in the in the uh, in the country based on this particular criteria. We're not doing so badly. That's Uh the top of the bottom half of the worst. Uh It's also like as as the U.S. is not doing that well, you're arguing that we're like middle of the road in a really terrible like running. Like yeah. no one's yeah, doing well I, as a blaming, country. Like, but blaming Newsom because our country is doing a shitty no, job no, no. doesn't seem totally fair. So no, we were I'm just like it's just we could never of, hope to be anything other than the better side of the worst country. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, I I guess just most of my issues about like the policies and things is that we don't. This is a point where now we have twice as the like previous peak, the infection rate was half as much as it is now. And Mm -hmm. that's we're on the way down right now, which is great. But we're nowhere in the realm of where we were panicking and being like, shut it all down. Right. Yep. And now we're like, twice as much as that and it's like well let's you know let's lower the bar let's open some things up like i that part just really bothers me um we also now have two separate strains that look like they are yeah more they're they really do look like they're more transmissible and at least one of them looks like it's more deadly and Mm -hmm. no one could give a clear answer about whether or not the modeling for those is included in the statistical model about icu capacity And so I I say the next bit with a little bit of hesitation because papers that haven't been peer reviewed and preliminary results should never be something that you like hang your hat on. Right. Mm -hmm. But the preliminary results and the papers that are up for peer review right now do pretty clearly suggest that B117 is more deadly and more contagious, not just more contagious like we initially thought. And I just listened to Dr. Galley say so far we know that they're more communicable, but they're not more deadly, which means that he's not reading the Some news. Of the latest. Yeah. Right. And he could make a really good counter argument that he won't read anything until it's peer reviewed and he'd be sort of right. But also like you just made a giant policy change. <laughs> Maybe you should be paying attention to the preliminary stuff too. Right. 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 Speaking of which, we should do a podcast episode about all of the problems with the peer review process. Yes. Yes, we should. I like that. Um, because there are some great things about it, uh, but there's some really terrible things too. So it's mm-hmm. definitely. Um, 
I just wanted to point out that I think it's wonderful that we are back to quibbling over um, the nuances of understanding data and no one's debating whether there are like alternative facts to be had. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're talking about, yeah, that as opposed to like, well, here come the Nazis. I mean, they're still coming, but at least there's not a head Nazi in charge in the White House. (laughs) (laughs) It's so delightful. It's such a lovely change. We can split hairs over how hyperbolic it is to call Joe Biden a Nazi in in relative terms. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, it's dark out, you guys. Is it dark out where you are? Nope. I can see sunshine at Ned's house. Yeah. Yeah. It's night. It's it's super windy and it's been rainy, but it's also been very sunny. So it's been really interesting. Tell us about uh, the gale force winds as opposed to small gales and large gales. Oh, my God. So do you want to should we I mean, we're pushing. Well, whatever. Who cares? People will listen or they won't. Um, right. <laughs> let's take a quick moment to talk about the v- Buford scale. Speaking of science or lack thereof. <laughs> yes. um, so it's very windy in San Diego right now. And um, we have, let me just get the actual weather so I can speak from, uh, from at least some, some fact. Here we go. Hold on. Um, so right now, uh, we have winds greater than 24 miles per hour. So there is a scale called the Beaufort scale, um, which is uh, to, so the interesting thing about the Beaufort scale is that it's a, um, it's a way to quantify or uh, not quantify. It's a way to um, it's qualify, right? Like I'm basically talking about like essentially the scale gives a value between zero and 12 for the wind speed. And then it has some information like a description. It talks mm-hmm. about, it's very much about sailing or naval, like nautical terms. Like it's talking about wave heights, sea conditions, land conditions, um, warning flags, and then etc. cetera. So, um, but the interesting thing is like, it's a scale where if you don't have an instrument, you can look out and try to um, like qualify, qualify, the conditions and then look at the scale and then convey that to someone else. And they might also then be able to get a sense of like ballpark where those numbers are. And so it starts at zero, which is on the Beaufort scale, the Beaufort number of zero, its description is calm, which means that the wind speed is below one mile per hour. There's zero wave height. Um, The sea conditions, it says sea like a mirror and the land conditions uh, basically smoke rises vertically. Um, and then it goes up from there. It moves through like light air, which is about one to three miles per hour, um, light breeze, four to seven miles per hour, gentle breeze. Um, but this is the funny thing about it. These are like naval terms that are, that come back from the original scale was created by Francis Beaufort, who was a, uh, a Royal Navy officer. He was a hydrographer in the uh, Royal Navy, um, later promoted to rear admiral. But anyway, he created this, and this was in 1805. He was an Irish hydrographer for the uh, the Royal Navy. Um, so the, the really interesting thing, and it's kind of hilarious, is that you go from things like a moderate breeze, which is 11 or 13 to 18 miles per hour, which most people would be like, it's really windy. But that's not the... <laughs> term the term is moderate breeze um 
moderately breezy. Yeah. And so then you might ask, well, what would I see going on on the ground? And you would see that dust would be blowing around, loose paper would be blowing around, and small branches would be moved. Then you go from moderate breeze to fresh breeze. Now we're talking 19 to 24 miles per hour. This is basically what we're experiencing now. Um, we're kind of in between fresh breeze and strong breeze, which is um, kind of where San Diego is experiencing right now. So that means that we're looking at large branches in motion, whistling heard in telegraph wires, umbrellas used with difficulty. Earlier today, like it was telegraph blowing. wires. Yeah. Just in case we didn't know when this was written. Right. Right. I like the umbrellas used with difficulty because that makes me think of the person who isn't our president anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that when he had to abandon the umbrella because he oh couldn't figure out how it yes. worked on the way into he the He just airplane? gives up and just is like, fuck it, and just walks <laughs> away. Like, fair. what? <laughs> garbage How witted by an umbrella. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, but my favorite <laughs> thing is so we are right on the cusp some of the time today between strong breeze, which is 25 to 31 miles per hour. We've had gusts higher than that today, which means that we've had moderate gale or near gale conditions where whole trees are in motion inconvenient. And this is my favorite part about the description on land, whole trees in motion, semicolon inconvenience felt when walking against the wind. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what that means, which is kind of the point, but that is not necessarily how I would ever have chosen to describe something when writing a scale. (laughs) So it's whole trees in motion and inconvenience felt what? While walking against the wind. Got it. Yeah. to write that down. Yep. That's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean. What's beyond that? Is there anything like. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, the, I won't read all of the descriptions because there's quite a few. Um, but the best part, so the greatest thing is like it starts to escalate, right? So we basically go from strong breeze to moderate gale. There's no, there's nothing in between those two. And then from moderate gale, we go to fresh gale. And then from fresh gale, we go to severe gale. And from severe gale, we go to whole gale. And then after whole gale, you get to violent storm. And then the very top of it, which is uh, winds in excess of 73 miles per hour, is hurricane force. And the land description for hurricane force is one word. Any bets on what that one word is? Uh, disaster that's pretty good it's devastation oh brilliant yeah awesome so if you see devastation out the window you can probably tell someone like say over the telegraph wires that you're experiencing hurricane force winds brilliant there are winds here that are called straight line winds and they're like 200 miles an hour fucking crazy and they just like there's just nothing left it looks like somebody bulldozed like a huge swath of land when it happens Wow. That's just crazy. Mm-hmm. You can see it, it always, like from space. I always wonder with scales that go from zero to 12. And sometimes there's a really good mathematical reason for it. And sometimes it means that they started with zero to 10 and then belatedly realized that the problem can get worse than they initially thought and that they had to add extra levels. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like one of those where I'm not sure which category <laughs> you right. fit in. Right. There's, uh, I have a sticker, or well, it's not a sticker. It's a sticker that I stuck to a magnet backing, and the magnet is stuck to my microwave. 
and it's um, Ali Brosh's hyperbole and a half rate your pain scale and it goes to 11 and then number 12 is like too serious for numbers. <laughs> it's good. Perfect. And Ned, I have to admit that the first thing that popped into my head when you said if you see devastation out the window, you can assume uh, hurricane force winds was or severe earthquake. Like or severe definitely. Earthquake, yes, that's yes. really good. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, you know, fellow Californians over here. Yeah. Oh, um, so this is I'm about to describe something that's funnier in view. But since we're talking about scales, yes. did I send you to my source of extreme annoyance uh, when looking at uh, liquefaction zone maps? No, no. Oh, my God. So I was looking at liquefaction zones because, again, we're talking about moving and I'd like to move somewhere that's less natural disaster prone than where I am right now. Yes. Um, and I found that one of the places that we're considering moving has this really cool interactive thing where you put in an address and then it gives you a whole geology report on that address. So it gives you like liquefaction susceptibility and landslide concerns and what your house is likely built on and what degree of slope you're dealing with and all that sort of stuff. Nice. It's super duper helpful, except for one really, really important thing. Which is, you know how when you have a color-coded map, you need to have a legend, and that legend needs like a square of red to tell you what red means, and a square of orange to tell you what orange means? Yes. Yeah, you know that little broken icon, or broken image icon that pops up when no. the link is wrong and the picture doesn't actually exist? Well, the legend is just nothing but broken image, broken image, broken image. Uh. <laughs> <And so laughs> it is a completely, almost completely useless map. Can you can wow. you snoop the HTML to see what the name of the image is to maybe infer what it should be? I tried, but they're all like one two H six seven nine four dot. Yeah, like, so they're not. I think like, that this was. It's not something helpful like red circle with a black dot in it, or like. Yeah, <laughs> I I really wish it was, and I yeah. I had hope I had high hopes, but no. Uh, um, they ah. are they are mostly pretty self-explanatory. Like the landslide stuff goes from light yellow to black. So if it's like dark orange, then you're probably in trouble. And if it's light yellow, it's probably okay. And the liquefaction stuff is the standard, super boring and really not colorblind friendly. Red is bad. Green is good. Mm -hmm. Oh, geez. Um, But uh, like, I would actually like to know if that color of green means low liquefaction or if that color of green means bedrock and it's actually really hard to know in this particular case yeah no it's like they perfectly disabled the map yes in like the most irritating way possible too because you look at the tool immediately you look at the tool at first and go oh my god this is exactly what i was looking for why do more areas not have this lovely tool right and then right as you start to be like this area versus this area i'll just have to check the let check the legend check the what the fuck is going on here Somebody left you in the woods with no breadcrumb trail. <laughs> oh. Why, yes, they did. And they walked away feeling like their job had been well done and like there was a nice trail for me to follow. <laughs> Jerks. Yes. Oh, man. It turns out your map is only as good as your legend. This is, yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, for sure. um, I think that's a an interesting note to end on. Um <laughs> Mostly because it's been an hour and a half and I know we we probably don't want to push the listeners too much. Um, yeah. So, but we do have a color of the day if if either of you are interested. Um, Definitely. Oh, shit. Hang on. Yes. Let me, let me get ready to look at it. All right. So the color of the day, and I'll put the link in the, um, in the description 
but um are sorry in the uh in the chat and then we'll have uh, the listeners at home will get the color codes anyway so it'll be fine um so the color of the day is elm and uh this the rgb values for elm are 28 124 125 um and if you're into uh hexadecimal values then we're talking um 1c 7c 7d so that's one Charlie, seven Charlie, seven Delta. Uh, so this color is uh, the color of the day. So hopefully you've already remembered to wear it. Or if you're just getting dressed, right. make sure you put on some Elm today. It's going to really make your life more exciting and interesting and probably yeah. save you from all kinds of heartache. Um, poor preparation poor preparation on your part yeah. is uh, not... If, a reflection uh, of what this color can do for you. Or right, for exactly. You. I also think um, since this is a design podcast, the important thing to remember is that um, if you're designing things for today, Elm is probably needs to be the overriding color. It's something that's going to be like pretty popular for today. So uh, keep yeah. that in mind. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, that's all I got. Let me, uh, I well, I want to tell you what I think about this color. Oh Hold my on. God. I'm yes. What do you guys think about here. this color? Um, it's it's kind of like turquoise, but also it's, uh, so I'm thinking like the deep end of a swimming pool. Uh huh. Yes. Um, cause it's kind of like chlorine green. Like it's not pure blue. Like you think of like the ocean around the Maldives or something like the Maldives or something like that. It's like, uh, the Maldives, Maldives, (laughs) those Daves. These are the Daves I know. I know. Um, it's kind of subdued, like it's not super bright, which is, you know, good, I guess. If you were going to pick an accent wall for your otherwise boring house, this might be a really good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good choice for that. I agree. I think it in in that vein of thinking, this would be a color that some of your more conservative relatives would be like, a whole wall? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you'd be like, yep, that's right. That's absolutely they, right. So it's it kind of would like... Also, go ahead. Sorry. It would also look good tiled on a backsplash if you didn't want a whole accent wall. Hell yes. It is <laughs> totally a backsplash color. Uh, yep. I think it's good. I think it's a... It's really close to jewel toned for me. So I think it's kind of reminiscent of colors that people used to rag roll under their walls in the 80s. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I would have described it as teal. It's very tealy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Although it's teal good. swan has kind of ruined that word for me. Oh. Oh. Hmm. It's okay. There's uh there's other good words like elm. Yes, like elm, elm is yes. a much better word. Elm is the color of the day. Color of the day. Whoops, I need to type that in the right spot. Well, <laughs> this is great. We have a color of the day. This color makes me think elm. of um of uh it kind of makes me think of the the federal standard forest service green color that um old forest service trucks were. Oh, um, it's it's a little more it's a little darker, um, but it's definitely I feel like it's in the right tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm also like have classic 
male color blindness. So who knows what color I actually see. Um, I wonder why it's called Elm. I, I was wondering the same. It doesn't seem very Elm-like to me, but I don't know that I see very many Elm trees out here in California, so maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. So um, I think that... Uh, let me pull up the list of colors. So uh, Yeah, I'm here to say I just Googled Elm tree, and it definitely is not Elm tree colored. <laughs> right, right. It's, yeah, it's... Um, let me pull up the... I forget which one we use let's see we want the there's a list um it's not a color palette here we go no why is it interesting i don't know i can't find where i found it now i'll have to get back to you on that i suppose <laughs> um I well maybe we'll add that to the segment is we need a little more research into maybe if there's any history about the color the name of the color yeah. um but yes uh oh here we go color name dictionaries I think this was it um beautycolorcode.com thinks it's deep cyan oh yeah there you go insightcolorpedia.com said the same dark shade of cyan Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a good color. color. Yep. It would go great Very. with a really intense, like, like sunflower yellow. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and Psycolorpedia, which is a really confusing name, uh, says that uh, electric yellow, various shades of yellow are distantly related. So maybe Aha. onto something. Ha ha ha. It's it's a good one. I blues generally aren't my favorite colors, but I like this one. Yep. Wasn't Celadon the previous color of the day? Yeah, we did Celadon. Yep. Because apparently Celadon is a closely related color to this one, so maybe we've got a theme going. Yeah. Ned, are you are you on a secret theme that we don't know about? Are you keeping the theme from us, Ned? Uh, no, of course not. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Would never. <laughs> Great. No, I mean, okay. it's, I will tell you this though. There's no way that um, I'm just coming up with these on the fly as I remember that we need a color of the day. These are clearly okay. heavily researched. We have a whole team. I just don't want to discuss, I don't want to get into it on the podcast because there's no way you would come up with a color of the day or like, dare I say, a color of the year without doing mm -hmm. some serious mm -hmm. research into it, obviously. Um, right. Definitely. We do 365 times more research as the next c lowest competitor who only does it once a year. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we're real big into research. We're, uh, we're, what, what is it? It's not political. Well, I guess it's like business political. We're like positioning ourselves as competitors of, um, of whatever that company is that shall not be named. Right. Whatever the Pantone Pantone. It was Pantone. It's Pantone. <laughs> Pantone. <laughs> We'll just say it. Pantone. Calling you out. We, we stole your flag, Pantone. Yep. <laughs> Come get it. <laughs> oh. I'm sure they'll get right on it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I still now believe because this year they picked two colors that they listened to our podcast about the Pantone bullshit. Yes. Well, see, then this is this is an open challenge. You can just sit around in Miami waiting for the next art whatever-y 
and just use the two colors of the most obnoxious art that gets shown that year and then claim that those are representative of culture as a whole. Or you could come and like, you know, engage with us. Yeah. And talk talk about about how great we are at this. But I think they chose, I think they chose two colors specifically because I said that picking one color is bullshit you without context you can't like colors don't exist in a vacuum like they need other colors in order to give them yeah. context right anyway like next thing you know they'll be knocking on your door and asking you to be their uh, latest color advisor clearly don't, clearly don't yes tape. yeah i think when you do you should show up and for your first project when you're like mold inside of pantone you should just submit the exact same colors that they've already chosen for the current year with different titles <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Be like, I, what can I say? They're like really accurate for this year. <laughs> like, we're all thinking <laughs> the same thing here, obviously. Awesome. Great. Yeah. All right. Anyway, um, stay safe. Uh, we're almost there with the vaccine. Things are hopefully going to start turning around. Um, I'm hopeful. So you say my county would have to get their act together. Yeah. Well, I just mean as a as a world, like you know, True. we're 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 in a place where you know it's you know keep wearing a mask wash your hands be yeah be respectful of other people um you know did you know before we like totally sign off did you know that the incidence of the seasonal flu has gone like like rock bottom no i didn't know that that's awesome that was expected yes so like uh if we just continue hypothetically if we were all just willing to like wear masks whenever we felt like we might individually be getting a little bit sick so that we didn't transmit that to other people unsuspecting of our condition and if we like were really good about it and didn't wear any we just wore masks all the time in public and just washed our hands obsessively all of the time we could like drastically reduce fucking flu um to the point where it wouldn't be maybe a rotating deal every year it's hilarious the things you can do when you take reasonable measures yeah the other fun ones are things like the um air quality with uh less traffic mm-hmm. and then the wildlife retaking some areas because there aren't tourists around and aren't it there isn't quite so much going on yeah how we live in the before times is fucking stupid S-T-O-O-P-I-D. And yet everyone longs for it and they can't wait to go back to it. They're fools. Those people have Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Immunitize the Eschaton, gang. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tear it down. All right. Tear it down. Um, the only I, way is forward. I mean, clearly this is a good mix for uh, conversation, but also maybe we need to... Uh, Call it cut. Go, I'm gonna cut it I off hard. To, you you I both need to are go cut eat off. A salad. All right. I'm gonna have a salad for dinner. I gotta go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. Oh. Um, oh. Oh. If you okay. want to get a hold of us, you can email us. <laughs> you can email our executive assistant, who's rapidly being promoted to uh, co-host. Which so we may have to change the email, but for now, you can send an email to <laughs> Dana D A N A at fcbm.io. And we will get back to you. And Dana will um, do all the magic she does that allows us to continue to have this amazing podcast. Okay. Thank yes, you, everybody. Yes. yes Thank yes, you. Yes. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.